Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, if you recall last week, guys, we we only talked about three verses, right? Cain, we know, is the brother of Abel. Okay, He's the firstborn of Adam and Eve based upon Scripture. And it tells us that in the process of time, Abel, the younger brother, come and brought an offering. We could call it an offering of worship to the Lord. How did he come? Well, the Bible says he came by faith. He came with the firstborn of his flock to offer it to God in worship. That's what Abel did. Well, Cain, well, he comes too, but, but he comes without faith, right? And he's kind of bringing and he's offering up without faith the fruit of the ground. I mean, two different offerings. Now, again, let's look at it together. Let's look at Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. We'll just cover them real quick. We won't spend a whole lot of time there. But the Bible says, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord, well, he respected Abel in his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was angry and his countenance fell. That's what the Bible reads. Now, last week we learned that Cain, again, was in fact angry. And he was angry at God so much that his face actually showed it. That's what the word of God says. His face showed it. Now, again, I have been angry in the presence of God before, but I love that God right here, guys, he lovingly talks to Cain and he asks him that question. Why are you angry? Why are you angry? And that just brings so much joy to my heart. And you say, why, Ben? Because I know there are times in my life that I get angry with God and I love that he's full of grace and mercy and he'll ask me those questions. I'm thinking that there's a God going up up, up in heaven going, okay, you're angry. I'd give you a reason to be angry. And, and that's how we are sometimes as parents. But God doesn't do that. He goes to Cain. He says, why are you angry? I believe Cain, guys, is on the road to religious ruin. And even when our God shows up with the most wonderful grace, Cain's not going to accept it. Cain's going to crash and burn. That's really what he's going to do. Tonight, guys, if you're taking note, we're going to learn some amazing lessons. You go, what are they? Number one, tonight we're going to look at Cain as a type of our flesh. As a type of our flesh. That's the first thing. That's the lesson we're going to learn. Cain (coughs) is a type of the flesh. You go, what else? Number two, another lesson we're going to learn, guys, is we're going to see Cain as a type of God's enemy and ours, otherwise known as Satan. We're going to see him as a type of that. And I'll show you here in a minute how we can pull that scripture out to see that. Number three, we're also going to learn, guys, the lesson that we are to love people back to life, to love people back to life. It's part of our core values that we are to love God and we're to love people. And we're going to see that tonight, what, what it means to really love people back to life. You go, what does that mean? Well, you can jot this down if you if you made that on number three notes. You can say, am I my brother's keeper? And, and God's going to, uh, Cain's going to ask that, am I my brother's keeper? And of course, we'll look at that. So we want to learn that lesson. And of course, we want to get this lesson too. We want to get a glimpse of what eternity will be like without God. Just a life lesson we want to learn. You go, Ben, what are they again? Number one, guys, we're going to take a look at Cain being a type of the flesh. Number two, we're going to see Cain as a type of Satan, a a type of God's enemy. We're going to learn the lesson that we are to love people back to life. And then fourth, we're going to get a glimpse of eternity without God. So let's go back, guys, to the first scene or the scene of the first crime. You go, what was that? What was the first crime? Well, I can say it was a faithless offering. It was a faithless offering. It all starts with a heart that was wicked before God. Cain, guys, you can jot this down, put it somewhere in your Bible. Cain was a murderer in his heart even before before he murders with his hands. Cain was a murderer. Now, now, note with me, guys. Listen to this. Listen to the way John puts it. John is telling us, right, he's exhorting us in 1 John 3, chapter 11, or chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. He says, for this is the message you heard from the beginning. What's the message, John? That we should love one another. John is all about love. John is about loving people. John is about saying, I'm going to sacrificially love people. That's what he wants. 
But John wants to take us to a whole other level of love. He wants us to love people that are unlovable. He wants us to love people that are hard to love. And you go, well, that's when I'm out. Well, that's, what, that's when it, love gets really good. And John says, listen, you've heard that we should love one another. But he says, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and he murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Question mark. Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Guys, let's unpack this verse for just a moment. Uh, commentary to Barnes writes this, Cain acted under the influence of envy. He was dissatisfied with his own offering and was not accepted, yet his brother was. Can you imagine? That's, that's what happened to brother Cain. He was what? He was, he acted under the influence of envy, jealousy. Are you kidding me? Why does Abel, why does God accept Abel and not mine? Cain, listen, I'm the older brother. I understand that. And that's what Barn writes under the influence of envy. And here's what I want you to see. Cain's behavior, his conduct, guys, think about this. This is the characteristic of the attitude that the world has towards believers. You know what I mean? Cain's behavior, Cain's conduct, the way he behaves is very characteristic, guys, in a broad view, of the attitude the world has towards you. That's what it is. And John brings out the point that we are to love one another. Cain actually gives us an example of what love really doesn't look like. John tells us that Cain was was what? Was the way of the wicked one. I want you to keep that in mind. Cain was the way. You go, what was he? Number one, we know he's a murderer. Why? Because he killed his brother. And then gives us the reason why he killed his brother. You ready? It's because his works were evil. If you look this up in the original Greek, guys, it says his, his works were evil. Evil works came from his evil heart. Okay, your attention, please. Think about Cain for just a moment. We think because he's mentioned in the Bible, he was the firstborn of Adam and Eve, that he was just like, whatever, I'll do whatever. And here's what blew my mind, guys. Here's what blew my mind. Here's Cain able to talk to God. I don't know how. Was it an audible voice? Was God right here walking with him? And he doesn't believe in him for salvation. He's got a wicked heart. He's so wicked that God, God comes down and he talks to him. He's like, nothing. And I'm going, wow. And, and, and there are so many. And, and here's, the, here's the blessedness I see. When was the last time you talked to God in an audible voice and yet you still believe? You believe with all of your heart. You know that there's God. You know that you've heard his voice. Cain got to see him. And so what happened? He had a wicked, wicked heart. That was the first crime. You go, well, let's, well, what was the second crime? Well, let's move to the second crime scene, right? We briefly talked about this last week. What was it? It was the dun-dun-dun. It was the murder of Abel. It was the murder of Abel, Cain's brother, the second child, if you will, of Adam and Eve. You go, Ben, the Bible doesn't say he was the second child. Now, let me just say this, okay? This is my opinion. I'm standing way off to the side of the pulpit. Here's what we The Bible in Genesis gives us what we need. Can I get an amen? It doesn't tell us everything. And the reason why I say it's the second, because that's the second name that we, we said Cain, we know Abel. But really, in, in, in reality, what if, I mean, I mean, we think about this, what if, what if there was already more brothers and sisters that were not mentioned? You go, well, that's a possibility, and I'll tell you why. And just, just that, that, this is going to kind of make your brain, because a, Cain's going to find a wife pretty soon, isn't he? Where did he get his wife? You know, we don't know. Probably a sister, could be a cousin. We don't know. Let's just say, let's just say, for the sake of argument, wasn't going to bring this up, but I guess I am. Um, let's just say at this point, we don't know the timeline, but let's just say that Cain is 150 years old. Okay, 150. We don't know, but we know that they're living to what? To be about 900 years old, okay? So we don't know the time. What are you thinking when you hear of Cain and Abel? That they're kids. That's what we've been taught in Sunday school. But let's just say that they're 150. That's 150 years of Adam and Eve having babies and multiplying. Those babies growing up, the, the genetic gene pool had it not been, had not been messed up at this point. And so you've got some population around the world. Very, I mean, we don't know that. We don't know that. I mentioned that, that Cain, again, firstborn, uh, Abel, secondborn. This is just the order that God gave us in 
the book of Genesis. Well, what happened? Well, notice verse 8 with me, guys. Notice verse 8. It says, Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. We saw that last week. Now, let me just recap, uh, guys, from last week, and then we'll move on to our lessons, okay? Remember in chapter 4, we saw a lot of firsts, a lot of firsts. You go, what's that? We saw the first pregnancy, first pregnancy, okay? Eve to give birth to a baby boy. We know that. We saw the first birth. Here comes Cain. We saw the first family. We saw the first religious hypocrite, right? Who was that? Cain. And then we saw the first crime scene, the CSI out of Eden, I called it. And then last week, we saw the first death of a human. Up until this point, the only thing that had died so far was an animal to take the skin to clothe Adam and Eve, and probably now Cain and Abel and anybody else who was being populated on the earth. So animals were being sacrificed to provide proper clothing to be in the presence of God or just to be just to walk around, okay? So we see that we see the first death of a human. Now let's look at verse 8, okay? It says, now Cain talked with Abel. In some translations, guys, it might say, and Cain said to his brother, and Cain said to his brother. I found that interesting because I'm thinking, what did Cain say? What did Cain say to his bro? Hey, you know, the Bible, we don't know what he said, but he might have said something. I like to speculate. He might have went to his brother and said, hey, what are you doing? Let's go out to the field. Let's have a talk. Let's go for a walk, right? He wants to get him away from the folks. He wants to get him out in the field. Why? Because, guys, listen, what does anger do? Anger is the seed that can produce murder. Anger is that seed. It's already in there. So he's like, hey, Cain, hey, Abel, what are you doing, bro? What are you doing? Let's go. Let's go. You want to go out to a field? You want to go to the field? Let's go out. Let's go out. Hey, show me where you... I don't know. Think about this. Think about it. Think about this. Hey, um, Abel, listen, you brought a great offering. The Lord accepted it. He went real... He went jiving with mine. Why don't we go out to... Why don't we go out to the field in the pasture and you kind of show me what you do? How do you pick a sacrifice? Whatever it was, it says that they both went out, okay? And Cain said to his brother... Hey, you might want to show me something or let me show you something in the garden. Whatever he said to Abel, guys, Abel trusted his brother and it costed him his life. You go, what does that mean? Well, jot this down. Life lesson number one. We look at Cain as a type of our flesh. Let's do a comparison analysis of Cain and our flesh we battle every day. You go, what do you mean? At this point, we know that Cain, guys, was not saved. He brought a faithless offering. His heart was far from God. We know that it was wicked. We know that he also was going through the motives in worship, but he really didn't believe. There are times, guys, when our faith is like this. Would you agree? And we got to remember that there, God does not see worship apart from the worshiper. There are times when we come in and we, let's just be honest in church, there are times we come in and we're not in the proper mind to worship God. Oh, we're in church, praise the Lord, and we're glad you're here. Amen. But there are times when we're not ready to worship God. We still have the days going on in our mind. We still have things that are happening. We might be somewhere else. The day's events might be tugging at you, and we come in, and now it's time. Our hearts aren't prepared, and we come in, and there are times, if we're honest, that we just go through the motives. Just go through the motives, Right? Think about this. Think about this. Matthew's gospel tells us a little bit about this, right? It says says in Matthew 15, 8, it says, These people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their hearts are far from me. I mean, let's let's, let's just take that verse for just a second, okay? These people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I don't know about you. But in worship, I don't want to go through the motions if my heart is not, is, not, is not with God. I don't want to just come, lift up my hands, lift up my hands, and, 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 and sing some songs and listen to that and look at my watch. And I want, because I, I know if my heart is close to God or not. You go, well, Ben, what should we do? What should we do? Well, the practical thing is, is guys, is before we walk in those doors, guys, before we should be already preparing our heart, God, we're gonna, we're coming to meet with you. You gotta prepare my heart to receive you, to hear from you. 
And Lord, it starts off with a time of music, and we tend to call that worship. And so it's a time of music that we lift up our hands, Lord, and I want my heart to be prepared. And I know my heart isn't prepared, God, because I've been walking in the world all day, and it's been yucky, and I've allowed the things of the world to just to, to kind of just um, uh, saturate my mind. But, but now I'm here, Lord, and okay, God, okay. And we can prepare our hearts as we, as we come to the door, Right? Because I want my heart. You will bend, 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 bend. Listen, I think it's a. I think it might be a stretch that you're saying Cain is a type of the flesh. Well, here's what Paul says in Galatians chapter five seventeen. He says the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do the things that you do not wish. Now, here's what we can learn and apply. Okay. Let's just, let's just talk about it. Cain being a type of the flesh, coming in with the wrong motives, not really caring, coming in with a heart that's not ready for worship. Here's how I applied it. It's that poem that we've talked about many, many times. Two natures beat within our breast. One is cursed and one is blessed. One we love and one we hate, but the one we feed will dominate. Okay? Let me say that again because it's just, it, just, it just sums up everything. There are two natures within you. Would you agree? Right? you got the spirit and the, the flesh. Okay? One is what? One is cursed and one is blessed. Right? The flesh is cursed. It's going to stay here. Your spirit is blessed. One you love and one you hate. Don't you just hate it when you get in the flesh? Don't you just hate it? Man, you're having a good day. You're just like listening to worship. You're just having a good time. And something will, we call them trigger moments. Anybody have a trigger moment? Boom. Trigger, all of a sudden, and you can get in the flesh. I like, I like the way Santos told me this the other day. He says, it's like, you ever have a pet bull on a leash? You ever have that? And it's like, he wants to get out, but you got to hold him. You know, it's like, ah, and I, I agree. Sometimes the flesh is like that, right? It's like, let me go, let me go. Ah, and you're, God's like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Sometimes that pit bull gets out, doesn't he? And that's the flesh, right? But let me just say this to you. you. guys ready? You ready? The one we feed, help me church, is going to dominate your life. You go, Pastor Ben, you're preaching to the choir. It's Wednesday night and I am here. That's true. But what we feed is really going to dominate our life more than Wednesday night, guys. It's being in the word all the time. It's listening. It's worship. It's, it's what are you feeding? What are you constantly feeding? Yourself. Okay. Abel, what did he do? Because he brought the right sacrifice and offering to the Lord, he fed his spirit men. Okay? He came prepared. Here's the firstborn. Lord, I worship you. I worship you. Cain, he fed the what? He fed the flesh. Here you go. Lord, here's some fruit. Think there's an apple in there. Of course, I'm being silly. I don't know what Cain did, but, but nonetheless, he, he didn't feed the spirit men. But I want to learn. I want to learn from Abel because what I feed is going to dominate my life. So, for example, if you're taking note, let me give you some things that I think we can do to feed our spirit. You go, what's that? First and foremost, jot this down. Spend time seeking and worshiping God. Spend time. I don't just want to give you a band-aid verse. Hey, come to Bible study. No, 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 no. It's more than that, guys. It's more than attending a Wednesday and a Sunday. It's, it's, here it is. Ready? I want to feed the Spirit. I want to spend time seeking God. Seeking God. I want you to picture something that you really, really love when you lose it and how you go through the house looking for it. You're looking. You're going through old clothes. You, whatever it might be. Hey, I lost that. I lost that. Uh, well, for me, one time it was my wallet. If you ever, if you've ever lost your wallet and your brain isn't functioning right, you're thinking, I had my wallet and, 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 I was a teenager. My room was a mess. Just putting it out there. And I tore up the room looking for my wallet. I was seeking it. I was looking. Everything. Where, just me. Have you ever lost something that you've looked in the same place like five times? And you're like, you looked. And what do they tell you? What did you lose? I lost my wallet. Did you check your pants? You're like, it's like the 15th time. But we do. And we're so OCD that we're like, I've got... Have you done that with God lately? 
Have you just sought him? Get in his word. And it's like, oh, and look at this cross-reference. Oh, look, it's speaking to me. Oh, 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 okay, God, this is too much. This is too much. And you seek him, and you seek him, and you seek him. What's that going to, that's going to, that's going to feed your spirit. You go, what else? Worship. Worship. Okay, Ben, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to put on music and just sing to God? Guys, we're missing the point. If you think worship is just singing to God, we're missing the point. Worship is, guys, is spending some time in prayer. It's on your face before God. Kneel down and just, and just pray. And just, just worship Him in prayer. Worship Him in your word. Get the Bible out. You know, here, I'm, here here's what I'm going to do. Get the, get, get the Bible out. Put it down right here. Open it up. And it's right here. And as you're praying, you're letting the word soak in. Here you go. And you're just, and you're just praying, God, God, I'm just praying. And, and oh, here's your word. And it speaks to you. And you have this dialogue. And, and, and again, turn on some music and then just worship the Lord. Just worship the Lord. That's, that's, that's one of the things I think. That's one of the things. Now, now, when you guys purpose to do this, guess what happens? Everything in the world will happen at that point. Your phone will go off. The kids will wake up. I'm going to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to worship you. The kids are like, hello, it's 4. What are you doing up? Is it breakfast? I mean, whatever it might be, something will distract you. Can I get an amen? Spend time singing. You. What else? Number two, you really want to... You, listen, you really want to... to Feed the spirit man. Serve, serve, serve the body of Christ in some way. Serve the body of Christ in some way. What can I do? And again, you're going, I have to serve at church. I have to serve the body of Christ. Serve the body. Guys, listen, we've got, we've got an outreach to the homeless. We've got Thanksgiving coming up. And we can say, listen, I just want to go to the Salvation Army. And I just want to serve. I just want to serve the body of Christ. Because I want to see what God wants to teach me. I want to serve. I want to serve. That's, that's another way. Spend time seeking, worshiping God, serve the body of Christ in some way. Number three, you want to serve, you, uh, you want to feed your spirit, be part of gospel community. Be part of gospel community. Guys, listen, we have an outreach coming up in three weeks. Be a part of it. Man, it's cold. I don't know what to do. I won't have a... Guys, you just need to be here. Be part of the body. You need to be part of the body. You need to serve. Whatever... I mean, and the beautiful part, the beautiful part of it is that is that whatever we're doing, whether it's a trunk or treat or somebody who asks you to do a game, you're going to have a blast. Why? Because you're part of the body. The problem we have, guys, in the church today is people go, oh, somebody else will do it. I'm, I don't have time. No, no, no. Come and serve. Be part of the body. It does something for you. It does something in you. When you can just share, when you just serve. Just serve, just serve. And, the, and the, be part of the gospel community. And then last but not least, guys, Bible study. Bible study. Allowing God to prune and perfect you. Bible study. I think it's important to study the Bible. You know, the Word of God, guys, is just the most amazing thing. Why? It's the only book I know that is shallow enough for a child to play in, but it's deep enough for an elephant to drown in. But we got to study it. we got to study it. Santos, in his discipleship class, and I've, I've adopted that, is that, is that um, he tells us that we need to hide God's Word where? In our hearts. How are we going to hide God's word to hide sin if I don't know God's word? You know, part of the discipleship is that we've got to go out and we've got to tell people about Jesus. How are we going to tell people about Jesus if we don't know his word? We've got to study his word. That's, that's, going to, that's going to fill me. That's going to fill me. What do I do? What do I do when I study? What do I do when I study? Guys, you can either be the Sea of Galilee or you can be the Dead Sea. You know, what do you mean? The Sea of Galilee, guys, is alive. There's fish. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It's great. Why? Because it has an outlet. It takes in and it says, it's, there you go. But the Dead Sea is what? It's dead because it has no outlet. All the water just comes in and it just sits there. And that's what we don't want to do that with the Word of God. We want the Word of God to come in. We're going to grow with it. And then we want to tell somebody. We want to share. We just want to share. 
we want to share. Let it come out. Last but not least, about Mars Bible study, you guys heard me say this before. Don't just read the scripture, let the scripture read you. Every time I sit down and I'm having my quiet time in my devotion and God is talking about Israel and he's talking about them leaving God or there might be idols in the book of Jeremiah, the book of Isaiah, I'm always going, God, that's me. Is that me, Lord? Am I, am, is my heart like your child? Lord, because I need to know. And, and the Lord's like, you, need, you know, let the scripture read you. Let the scripture read you. Number two, Cain is also like the flesh when it didn't go his way. You go, what do you mean? What happened when things didn't go his way? He became angry, didn't he? His countenance fell. He pouted. Your flesh ever get that way? Your flesh ever get, right? When things don't go your way? What's the matter? Nothing. I just, whatever it might be. And so we got to be so careful. We got to be so careful because I don't want to be ruled by the flesh. I, I don't want to pout. I don't want to be a pout. Third, guys, Cain is a type of the flesh because he was capable of murder. Because he was capable of murder. Remember what Jesus told us, guys? You've heard it said of those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders is be dangerous of the judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be, dang- shall be in danger of the judgment. Doesn't that strike home? You know, Jesus said, listen, listen. If you're angry with your brother without cause, and it's almost to say, it's all, you can be, and we know it, don't we? Because I think I've murdered more people in my heart at times And so Jesus is absolutely 100% correct. And I don't want to be in the flesh. I don't want to be in the flesh. Flesh, Cain is a type of the flesh because he was, and he was very capable of murder. Because it started in his heart before he actually took his brother out to the field. Life lesson number two. Life lesson number two, Cain is like Satan. Cain is like Satan. You go, why? Note with me. We've already learned that Cain was a type of the wicked one, okay? But I want you to see something. Cain was angry with, you guys see this? Cain was angry with God, was he not? He came in, God's like, nope, not going to work, bro. And then God gives him the way, how it should work. What does he do? He gets angry. He says, Cain, why are you so angry? You go, Ben, why is he like Satan? Why is he like Satan? Here's why. Because I bet, I bet Cain was angry enough with God that he wanted to do something to God, although he couldn't do anything to God. So what did he do next? He took it out on his creation. He took it out on his creation. He's like, man, I can't do anything with God. I'm angry with you, but I know who you do love. You love Abel. I'm going to kill Abel. I thought, wow, isn't that how Satan is? Isn't that how Satan is? I'm going to take it out on his creation. Notice, now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against his brother Abel and he killed him. That sounds a lot like Satan. Sounds a lot like Satan. You go, how so? Jot this down. You can look at it. I'm going to read it, but jot this down. Ezekiel 28, 12 through 15. Ezekiel 28, 12 through 15, talking about Satan. He says, son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Sire. Okay. He's talking about the king of Tyre, but he says to him, notice the reference to Satan. Thus says the Lord, you are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, topaz, diamond, barrel, ox, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your trembles and pipes was prepared before the day you were created. And you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. Now listen, till iniquity was found in you. Okay, comparison, 
Doesn't that sound like Cain? Cain, listen, you were there. You were, and then all of a sudden, it's like iniquity was found. Iniquity was found. You were, not that Cain was perfect. Don't understand that. But, but listen, being a type, it sounds like Cain. And then jot this down for further study. Isaiah 14, Isaiah chapter 14, 12 through 17. Isaiah writes, how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, notice what he says, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of congregation, the farthest side of the north. I will ascend to the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. Guess what happened? God said, nay, 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 nay. We're not having a part of that. Sends him to earth. Right? So what does he do? He knows that he cannot, he can't harm God. So what does he go after? God's creation. God's creation. That's what he does. I was blown away. I was blown away. Satan has been at war with God, and he's taken it out on God's creation, his children. See, the Bible tells us that Satan was a murderer and a liar from the beginning trying to deceive us, doing whatever he can to keep us from a relationship with God. Can you imagine? That's what he was doing. All his life, he's been trying to keep people away from a relationship with God. Our goal, okay, our goal in life, guys, what's the, most, what's the greatest thing that man needs? He needs Jesus. He needs life. And that should be our goal. That should be what we get up. That's what, we, that's what should get us up in the morning. Not the alarm clock, not a job, but that people need Jesus. That they need Jesus. That should be in us. Why? Because it's the enemy's goal to make sure that our family and our friends never hear the good news, at least not with their heart. That's why in your life and mine, that's in your life, in my life. That's why the battle is real. The, the spiritual battle is super real. It's going on. Because you get up and you say, man, my life is an example of, of Jesus. He's living in my life. And the enemy goes, I'm going to do everything I can to keep him away from, from people who might listen. But he can't win. He can't win. We just got to get up with that. We got to get up. Yes. Yes. Guys, think about it. Think about it. Now, as we continue, we see life lesson number one. Cain is a type of our flesh. You go, okay, yeah, man. And number two, we see Cain is a type of, of God's enemy. He doesn't, can't do anything to God, so he's going to go after his creation, you and I. Now, as we continue, we learn life lesson number three. You go, what's that? Well, loving people back to life. How so? Look at verse nine. It says, then the Lord God said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And what does he say? I don't know. I don't know. And then he says, am I my brother's keeper? Church. If God asked you, you know, where's your brother and, and you, and what should we answer to this question? Am I my brother's keeper? What's the answer? Yes, we are, right? That should be the answer. Am, am, are you your brother's keeper? Yes. 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 That should be a Y-E-S. I mean, but here's what I, here, here's what I see. Here's what I see. Do you notice that Cain lies to God? Right? Cain literally lies to God. Hey, 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 Cain. Yeah. Where's Abel? I don't know. Yes, you do. And I do too. Cain, where's Abel? I don't know. And then he says, am I my brother's keeper? Here's the application I want to pull in, guys. Listen, it's our responsibility to sacrifice our love, our lives for our brothers. You go, why is it sacrifice? Because it costs you something. It costs you something. It costs you time. It costs you energy. It costs you resources. It costs you money. That's sacrificially. Somehow we got lost sacrificially in saying, well, no, listen, listen, if it's, if it's convenient and it's comfortable and I have an extra few bucks in my wallet, there you go, bro. I love you. May God bless you. And it doesn't affect us at all. But when it becomes a sacrifice. This is my time. This is what I have. Okay, I love you enough. I'm going to take some of that time and I'm going to sacrifice it to you. 
That's what we got to do, guys. That's what we got to do. We have the responsibility, guys. You do the greatest responsibility in the world. God, he said, listen, I'm going to give it to you to go out and be your brother's keeper, your sister's keeper. Guys, that's what he does with us. Why? Because, Because we need to bring others back. We need to love others back to life. We need to love others back to life. I'm going to give you a slew of scriptures here in just a moment, but I saw a video today. I think Aaron posted it. I saw a video. And it really is talking about mental health, and that's something that we don't talk about a whole lot in churches today, the the reality of mental health. But this was a fellow who actually survived a suicide attempt off the Golden Gate Bridge. He went on to say that over 2,000 people have jumped off the bridge and died. Golden Gate Bridge. And just a handful had survived. He was one that survived. But he went on to say something about mental health. And one of the things he said, and I quote, he said, I knew people loved me, but I kept telling myself they didn't love me. I kept telling myself I was a burden to them. I kept telling myself my life is a burden. And, and, and I found out, yes, they do love me, and I wasn't a burden. But see, that's what the enemy keeps telling people. Oh, you're a burden. Oh, you're a mess. Oh, nobody wants to, nobody's going to take the time to sit down and have coffee with you. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to sit down and try to work with you and talk with you and disciple you. And nobody's going to do that. Why don't you just, and see that that's, that's what they're living with every day. And I want to be a church guys that says, no, 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 let's, let's sacrificially be able to reach out to those that God puts in front of us and go, God, I'm here. I want to help. What can I do? I want people to know that I love them. I want people to know that you're not a burden and you're not, and God puts you here and he has a plan for your life and we'll do whatever we can to make sure that they are getting the right treatment if it is a mental illness. But let's just talk about about not a mental illness. Let's just talk about people who are lost and they've been hurt by the church and they've been hurt and and, and they're out there and they'll say, and you invite them to church. They're like, no, you know what? Church is going to burn down if I go in. We want to love those people to the place where they can come back and serve Jesus forever. That's our, that's our job. That's our job. Our job is to put our hand around a brother and say, I love you, man. You got this. I'm not here. I'm not going to let you go because the enemy's going in. You're all alone. You're all alone. Nobody cares about you. Nobody cares about you. Nobody. Uh-uh. Our job is going to go You got this, bro. I'm sorry you're hurting, but you're not alone. Can we agree, guys? Can we agree to just say, hey, you're not alone to somebody. You're not alone. So how do we love people back to life? Well, the Word of God tells us, right? He gives us some scriptures. You go, what are they? Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or else you may also be tempted. Do you see what Paul tells to the Galatians? He's going, listen, there's going to be a brother that's caught in sin, that's, 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 that's down in the dumps, that's crawling. And you who are spiritual, you are walking with God, come back and help him up gently. Gently. We're not the WWE where, so, where your brother is walking down on him and you start pounding on him. I told you. <clears throat> I told you. See? Get up. If you would just read the Bible more, that's not us. Guys, gently, hey, hey, you okay? Because sin is very real. How about this one? Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. How are we going to do that? How are we going to esteem others better than ourselves? It has to come from right thinking. Thinking, oh, okay, I'm a believer. I need to esteem others. I need to esteem it. How am I going to lift somebody up? How am I going to lift somebody up? Guys, I don't know about you, but we live in such a negative world that to lift somebody up takes a lot of work because we've got we've we've to not think about the negative and try to dwell on the positive. Where does the positive come from? It comes from the Word of God. Where are we going to dwell from, guys? Right here. But in loneliness of mind... Let each esteem others better than himself. Now, it doesn't mean that you, you, you live in poverty while you're giving all. It says, 
that you, you just look after somebody, esteem them better than you. Better than you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 says, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Paul tells the Ephesian church, guys, that, man, when you work and, and, and you do what is good, that you feel good and you're able to help somebody else. You're able to help somebody else. There was another uh, experiment that they did. I don't know if you saw this, but the experiment was a guy, and he had a camera. His friend was watching the camera, and they're walking through a busy street, and what he would do is he would take out his phone out of his back pocket, and he would drop his wallet. Or he would drop, actually, he wouldn't drop his wallet. He'd drop cash. He would just drop cash. Okay? Now, this is all being filmed, and he'd walk by, and then other people walking by like this were like, and they'd pick it up, and they'd put it in their pocket, and they'd keep on walking, and then he'd turn around about a few yards and go, hey, I lost, and probably about 100 bucks, I lost my money. Anybody see it? And they're like, no. And he would do that time after time after time. Do you want to know the only person in the video they showed, okay, now, just the only person in the video that actually said something and went after the guy and said, hey, you dropped this, was a homeless guy. A homeless guy who had nothing knew the value of what it meant to lose everything. Hey, you've lost this. And he said, hey, we're doing an experiment. Let me, what do you need? And ended up, guy buying him a phone and just giving him what he needed. And I thought, man, that just tugged at my heart. Why? Because I, I want to be that guy. Hey, you lost this. You lost this. So what did Cain? Now, again, back in our study, sorry. Back in our study. And the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother? What did Cain say? Oh, no. Everybody together. Oh, no. One of the things that you can jot down in the Bible right now, guys, notice what Cain didn't do. You go, what's that? No confession. No confession. Right here, Cain should have fell to his knees and confessed. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Lord. I killed him. I killed him. He's in the field and... Please forgive me. No confession. He says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Here's the exhortation for us. You ready? Guys, let us do what Cain failed to do. Please, may your heart not be so hard that when God convicts you that you don't confess. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. Please forgive me. I'm a mess. I'm a mess, Lord. What'd you do, Ben? Lord, I don't even want to tell you, but I was angry at my brother. I was lustful. I was prideful. Whatever it might be. Whatever it might be. God, forgive me. Forgive me. Cain doesn't do that, does he? He doesn't confess his sin. Verse 10 says, and he said, God says, Cain, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. Well, in the original, guys, it says your, your brother's blood cries out for vengeance. Cain, what did you do? That's what he says. Your blood cries out for vengeance. And I just want to put this out there, guys. Cain, God, God, knew, God knew, guys, God knew what we did and what we think. He knows already. So we should first and foremost understand that when God asks a question, help me, church, it's not that he doesn't know, right? It's just that he wants us to take responsibility for our own sin. Hey, what happened to Abel? I'm so sorry, Lord. He wants us to take that responsibility. And of course, of course, he didn't learn very well because he's got his parents. Lord, it was the, it was the snake. Right? It was the woman you gave me. The woman's like, it was a snake. So nobody took responsibility, and Cain doesn't either. He says, what did you do? Cain should have said, in a fit of anger and rage, I took out my vengeance on, on, on Abel. I killed him. Please forgive me. I fall at your mercy. Cain doesn't do any of this. Cain doesn't do it. Let me give you the scripture reference so you can look up later. I'm not going to read it because we don't have the time, but it's Numbers 35, Numbers 35, 29 through 34. You can look that up and apply it to this verse. And God continues to speak. Look at verse 11. He says, so now you are cursed from the earth, 
which has opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. If you're taking note, guys, this is the first human that's ever cursed. Up until this point, only the serpent was cursed. God curses Cain. He says, you're a fugitive. It means wanderer. It means, a, it means to move, to shift, right? Never staying in one place. He says, you're a vagabond. That actually means wanderer, moving to and fro. And it actually means to show grief. So here's Cain's punishment. You ready? The ground is going to be hard to farm. Things will not grow for you. And you will never be at rest or at peace. And you'll always be moving from place to place. Verse 13, and Cain said, Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. And I just sit there and goes, wow. That's what he says. Cain hears from God that he will not take Cain's life. Should have taken Cain's life. Yet all that comes out of his mouth is, my punishment is greater than I can bear. And I'm thinking, what would you guys be thinking at this point? What about your brother Abel? What about Abel? What about your heart towards God? What do you mean that's all you say? What an overwhelming thought of punishment, and yet no cry for forgiveness or repentance. I'm reading this book right now called Driven by, Driven by Eternity, and in the book, uh, the author John is writing about four people named Independent, Deceived, Faint Heart, and Double Life. And each one has a story about Jesus, but none of them really believe in him. In the book, without spoiling it from you, the fellow double life was a man who worked for God, but lived complete opposite of his teachings. On Judgment Day, double life was convicted and sentenced to eternity in the land of loan. That's what it caused, the land of loan, which is, which is hell. Double life cries out. Here's what he says in the book. My punishment is more than I can bear. And I was tying these two things together, and I thought, wow. You see, the, the scene is the book is talking about hell. And I just wonder, for a moment, guys, for a moment, how many people are saying in hell right now the very, this very thing, my punishment is more than I can bear. This punishment, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Well, now we learn, and back in Genesis, grace upon grace, and we're going to close here in just a moment. He says in Genesis 4.14, Surely you have driven me out, of, out, of, out this day from the face of the ground, and I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone find me who kills me. Here's what Cain's worried about. He's worried about being killed. Okay? He's worried about being killed. You guys notice the underline of the phrase? Notice the underline or, 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 or of this phrase, okay? Notice or underline it. You go, what? Cain says, I shall be hidden from your face. And I think this should be the ultimate curse, don't you think? The ultimate curse for us is that we're hidden from the face of the Lord. That's a greater punishment than I can bear. I can handle anything but to be hidden from God's presence. Verse 15 says, And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain's vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Everybody's asked, what's the mark? You ready? Here's the mark, or what I know. I don't know what the mark is. The literal translation is this, guys. The literal translation is, is um, God set a mark for Cain, not on Cain. Set a mark for Cain. And... Uh, we presume, based upon the little translation, that God gave Cain a sign to reassure him of God's gracious protection of his life. You go, well, Ben, what's the last lesson? You ready? It's the last lesson. It's a glimpse of eternity, right? Verse 16, this is the saddest verse that I've ever read in the Bible. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, and he dwelt in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Guys, Cain went out from God's presence. Now, God was always with Cain, but Cain would never be back in the presence of God. You go, Ben, where did he go? Well, the Bible says he went to the land of Nod. Everybody see that? Everybody nod that he went to the land of Nod? You're like, yeah. Guess what the land of Nod means? Wanderer. When you're wandering, guys, there's no rest. There's no peace. There's no peace. He went to wandering. 
You go, Ben, what's the lesson? The lesson is, the lesson we should learn from Cain actually gives us a little bit of glimpse into eternity without God. You see, a lot of people say, well, when I die, I'm going to go to hell, and it's going to be a big party, and my friends are going to be there. No, 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 listen, you're going to spend eternity without God, without being in the presence. And Cain, Cain with a wicked heart, God's like, hey, you have to go. And Cain's like, all right, just don't let, just don't let anybody kill me. And I'm thinking, God, you can do a lot of things to me, but I don't want to be out God's presence. I don't want to be away from God's presence. Life can get pretty hard. I don't want to be out of God's presence. I can mess up. I can do things. I don't want to be out of God's presence. So my prayer, guys, as, as Josh leads us in worship, guys, right now, the last song, guys, we, can we just worship him tonight? In the last six minutes we have, could we just worship God and say, God, I never want to be out in your presence. Don't worry about the song. Don't worry about the words. Don't worry about the guitar. Close your eyes and just worship him. Say, God, thank you for your presence. I never want to be out of your presence. I never want to be out of your presence. And let the, the worship, let the music, let the words, let his presence, God. Uh, Lord, guys, just clean, cleanse our hearts tonight. Father, thank you, God. Tonight we worship you. We love you. God, help us to learn these life lessons. I, I, eternity without you, Lord, use me. Use our church. Lord, use our church to, to, to be a witness for you, to, to, to love people. God, please, please, Lord. We worship you now, Lord. We don't want to be out of your presence ever. We ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.